So considering it being Father's Day, um, baby dedications, uh, just reminds me of the classic baby game of peekaboo. Hopefully you also know that game. And so, but if you are a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're an aunt, an uncle, an older sibling, a babysitter, um, or if by chance at one point in your life you happen to be a baby, um, you have probably played this game. Um, but if for some reason you have managed to get to this point in your life and you have absolutely no idea what I am talking about, let's take a little bit of time, play a little game of peekaboo. So it's quite short, just so you know. Cover your eyes. Peekaboo! All right, I mean, that's it right there. It just brings, it brings joy to my side. I, I played a game of peekaboo with several hundred people. I've never done that before. But, um, but the, the reason that we play this game with babies um, is to, it's, it's fun, it's enjoyable, they smile, they laugh. Um, but it also teaches them an important concept. And that concept is object permanence. Um, babies, they need to know that even if they cannot see an object, that that object still exists. Grasping this, it gives them comfort. It helps them to know that if for some reason their parents leave the room or some stranger is now holding them, um, that they, their parents will come back. Their parents are still there. And so as believers, we also need to be reminded of the concept of object permanence. There are many situations um, in our life that can bring us to the point to struggle, that we struggle and we begin to wonder if God is still with us, if God is seeing our situation, knowing our situation, and acting. A few that I thought of this week are death and families. If you're a high school student, been preparing all season, first game, tear your ACL, you're out. No more. Begin to think also of like the economy, money, inflation. Hearing about people getting shot in churches. Kids being shot and killed in schools. Thinking about abortion in our city, in our state. Human trafficking here in Wichita and around the globe evil and wicked people who actively oppress the weak and the poor. Our psalm this morning, this is what it's about. It's specifically looking at this last thing. Evil and wicked people actively oppressing the weak and the poor. They're looking for ways to do this. They plan ways to do this. They say that they will not have to give an account for what they have done. Nobody will bring justice upon them. The psalmist is seeing this happen and he begins to wonder why it seems that God is standing so far off. Why does it seem like God has hidden himself in times of trouble? And so let's turn to the Lord's word and see what it says. So you please open your Bible to Psalm chapter 10. Um, Getting to Psalms is fairly easy. Look at your Bible in the middle. Just go a little bit towards the front and you are there. Um, And will you please stand for the reading of God's word. It says this. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? 
Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight, and as for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws them into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. <coughs> The, the main point that I want you to take away um, from this psalm and, and this sermon is that God sees. But God does more than that. He also acts. My, my sermon in a sentence this morning is God sees the actions of the wicked and he acts with justice. God sees the actions of the wicked and he acts with justice. And so our passage is divided up with a question, um, and then there's two answers to that question, and that is uh, what we will see today. And so our first main point is this, is this question, does God see? In these verses, we have two characters. Uh, the first is the psalmist who is observing the wicked and evil actions that are happening. And the second is the wicked who, uh, sorry, is the um, is, is the wicked people themselves who are oppressing the poor. The questions addressed by the psalmist in verse 1, they're, they're not ones of like this extreme doubt or a rejection of the Lord. Rather, they are based out of confusion and wondering, what, what, is, what is God doing based on the circumstances that are happening? And the reason he's asking them is, is because of the evil and the wickedness that he is experiencing and that he is seeing. He wants and needs to know how would God allow such evil to occur? Why would God let evil happen to his people? What is God's plan for the wicked and evil who hotly pursue the poor? These are all ways to state um, a question that all of us have asked at some point in our life. 
If God is so good, why does he allow evil to exist? It's not a bad question to ask. In fact, I actually think it's a good question for us to ask in our lives and to actually seek out an answer for it. The reason for that is because it impacts who we are and how we see the world around us. We live in a world that has evil and wickedness and injustice. Sharon shared about this in her update. Teenage girls being sold. Other girls disappearing from their villages and being forced into prostitution. She says that about 13-year-olds. Makes me think of the middle schoolers that I work with every week. Now I don't want that for them. These things are not okay. And when we hear about it happening and continuing to happen, we begin to ask the question, why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in these times of trouble? We begin to wonder if God sees. Does he see? And our questions are compounded when we hear how the wicked are responding and how they are boasting. Look at how the wicked are acting in verses 2 to 11. He boasts of his own desires and is greedy for gain. He is prideful and his ways prosper. He renounces the Lord. He says, there is no God. He says that he shall not be moved and he shall not meet adversity. He sits in ambush stealthily watching, lurking so that he may seize the poor and the helpless. He says, God has forgotten. He's hidden his face. He will never see it. And these wicked people, they're not outside of the nation of Israel in Psalm 10. They are actually inside of it. They are people who know God's law and have renounced it. Instead of following the Lord with obedience and humility, they have turned to their own schemes and their own selfish desires to get what they want no matter the cost. It is they are using the weak and the helpless for their own unjust gain. And this doesn't mean that there's not evil and oppression outside of God's people, but we need to remember that this evil has happened and it still does happen within God's people. Now, I don't know if many of you are sitting in ambush um, so that you can um, wait to murder the innocent, lurking behind a shrub or something like that. So, however, I am confident that most of us in here can say that we in the past or currently have boasted of the desires of our soul. That at some point in our life or right now, we have been greedy for unjust gain and prideful to work for our own way at the expense of others. This happens when we share stories or events to put, up, to put ourselves in a better light than others, making it so that people see how much greater we are than those who are around us. This event happens in our workplaces, and it happens with our coworkers, or when we report to our bosses. It happens in our families at times when the weaker person in the family is pushed aside in order to help the ones who are more gifted and productive to succeed. 
This week, I'd encourage you to evaluate your life in these areas. Are you most concerned about your own selfish desires? Are you greedy for gain in a certain area? And are you oppressing anyone else in order to get it? So as we look back at the psalm, we see that the wicked, they're so brazen and they're so confident in themselves and that they actually answer the psalmist's question um, that is asked in verse 1. It says, why do you hide yourself in times of trouble in verse 1? And they answer in verse 11, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face and he will never see it. When we are in times of trouble, we can begin to believe that the words of the wicked are true. Thinking that God has hidden his face and does not see the evil in the world. This could be overwhelming. It can bring hopelessness in our life. And so it makes me think of a funnel. Let's grab this one out of the shop. Smells a little like gasoline. Um, but I like to change my own oil in my cars. My dad always did it. He taught me how to do it. I just like to do it. I don't really know why. I like, I like it when my hands are dirty. Like, you know, there's, there's like grease stuff in the cracks of your hand. It's, I know it's weird, but I, I just, I like that. So, but when I finish draining out the oil out of the car, the used oil, you need to fill it back up again. So you take your funnel and put it in the top of the engine where the oil goes. That's always important. If you don't know where the oil goes, don't change your own oil. Just, that's just a fact you should know. All right, so, but you put the funnel on the top of the engine. You begin to pour the oil um, from the five-quart jug into the funnel, and it goes down into the engine. It's pulled down. It's sucked down. When we're in times of trouble and it looks like the evil of the world is too much, we can feel like this oil being pulled down and sucked down, feeling like there's no way out and there's no way to solve the problems. We're just in it and just feeling helpless and hopeless. We feel beat down and overwhelmed by the wickedness. There's so much and it's so hard to know even where do I even begin to combat the injustice. We could become paralyzed for action, not knowing what to do or even if there's anything that we can do. But like playing a game of peekaboo, we wonder if God is still there. But we must remember that our feelings about a particular situation and event are not the only defining truth that is around us. Our feelings, they do matter, and our feelings are good, but they should not be the only thing that guides us. We must also trust in the truth of God's word, knowing that God does not shift or change with our feelings or with our circumstances. And one of the ways he does not change is in his desire to care for his people. God does not abandon them in times of trouble, but we can have confidence that God does see. The righteous know that God isn't hiding his face, but he sees all. So our second point today is that God sees. We have seen um, the problem and the response to the problem is to cry out to the Lord for help. These verses, they are a prayer for deliverance, asking God to not forget the afflicted. The prayer begins in verse 12 with, Arise, O Lord. 
This is also said in Psalm chapter 9, verse 19, and Psalm chapter 3, um, verse 7. But these are remembering the words of Moses all the way back in Numbers chapter 10, verse 35. In Numbers 10, the nation of Israel is leaving Mount Sinai. And they're moving to the border of the promised land. And in the promised land, there are wicked and evil nations. They're preparing to go into it to drive out the wicked nations and they know that they will need the Lord's help to do this. And so when the Ark of the Covenant began to set out, Moses would say, Arise, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered and let those who hate you flee before you. In Psalm chapter 10, verse 12, the author is asking God to arise in the same way, to come to protect the people of Israel and to bring justice on the wicked. God will lift up his strong hand and he will break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. The wicked, they were prideful and they trusted in their own strength. They did not think that they would be moved or that they would ever have to give an account for the, what they had done. But instead, their boasting and their greed will be broken. Their strength will be broken and they will give an account for what they have done and they will be judged accordingly with God's righteous judgment. All of it will be brought to light and they will give an account for it all until there is nothing left. And the reason all of this can happen is because God sees. We see this great encouragement and truth in verse 14. We have seen the question of does does God see in the psalm and the response of the wicked that God doesn't see. Um, But the reality is that God sees it all. Verse 14 says, but you do see. For you note mischief and vexation that you may take it into account. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper to the fatherless. But you do see. These words are so encouraging to those who are being oppressed by the wicked and to us who see the wickedness in the world. God sees it all and we can be comforted by that. And we should strive to see as well. But when we do see these things, we often don't like it. And we choose to turn away so that we don't have to see. We could be guilty of turning a blind eye to the wickedness in the world because it is just too hard to bear. Or we purposefully order our lives to insulate us from the wickedness. We keep it far away so that we don't have to see it. We want to keep our homes and our lives and our families and our jobs far from this because it disrupts us. It discourages us. We just don't really like it. But that is not what God does. God actively sees. He actively takes note of what is being done as the helper of those in need. And so for you, are you choosing not to see? Are you structuring your life in a way that you just don't have to see? But there's another obstacle to seeing as well. Sometimes we don't actively choose to not see. We just don't see. Like if you think about a blind person, they didn't just wake up on Tuesday and think, you know, I'm going to be blind today. Done. I've chosen not to see today. And then on Wednesday it comes back, no, blindness away, I will see again. No, they just, they just can't see. That's how it works. I remember one time when I was getting frustrated because um, I would see these opportunities to help people or to do something, um, but then I would observe other people just walking by. 
I was thinking to myself, are you kidding me? Well, you not see that? It's like, it's obvious, like right in front of you. What's wrong with you people? Like not seeing these things that are just so blatantly on. You got blinders on. You like go down to the horse tax store. I don't know if that even exists, just so you know. But like, you people have horses. What are those? They're called blinders. Yeah? Okay, okay. he's got it. Yeah, so thank you. Um, so, but, but the, these, they were so blatantly obvious to me. Like how, how are these people blind to them? And so as I was saying that or venting under my breath, most likely actually not just thinking it, um, um, but Christy reminded me that not all people see the world in the way that I do. In fact, there are times when I don't see things that other people think are just so blatantly obvious and they wonder how in the world did I miss it? Um, because of this, we need to ask God to give us eyes to see the injustice in the world around us. Ask God to help us to have his vision. We also need to ask God to bring people who are doing evil and wicked deeds to give an account, praying for God's justice to be seen and also executed in the world around us. These verses, they clearly tell us that God does not just see, but he also acts on behalf of the helpless as he judges the wicked according to their deeds. And so the last three verses of the psalm show this, God acts. Verse 16 comes in contrast um, to verse 6. Um, it's, it's, a truth that God does, that give, that it's a truth that gives us great hope. God is the hope of the righteous in an unjust world. In verse 6, the wicked says, I shall not be moved throughout all generations. I shall not meet adversity. And then we see in verse 16 that the Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. The wicked have been acting like gods in the land, but the psalmist declares that they are not. It is the Lord who is king forever and ever. God is the one who is reigning over the, all the earth. The Lord's reign and his judgment on the wicked has both a present and a future reality. And so I want us to focus first on the future reality of God's justice and how considering this we'll be, we will be able to better understand the present justice and how God's people play a part in it. So the Lord is king forever and ever. We see the kingship and the rule of God throughout the entire Bible. In the beginning we see that God created all things and that God rules over all of it. Then we see here in, in the middle of the Bible in Psalm 10 that the Lord reigns forever and ever. And finally, if you go to the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation, um, Revelation eleven fifteen says, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The Lord is the king now and for all time. However, the ultimate judgment of the wicked from God, the forever king, will come in these last days, in the final judgment. This judgment and this justice will be perfect and it will be absolute. No person will escape it and all will have to give an account. And if we are honest with ourselves, in that judgment we too will be found guilty. We have all sinned, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But there's hope for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. One of the ways that we like to explain um, the good news of the gospel is through four categories, with God, man, Christ, and response. 
There's so much theology and so much knowledge that can fit into these um, four different categories, but today we're going to focus on justice. And so we've seen that God is the king forever. God rules over all things and all people. God also sees the evil and knows the cause of the helpless. He is the one who will bring righteous justice on the earth, and God will one day destroy evil and all who do it. Now as we turn to man, we see that people are both wicked. Um, people are, man is made up both of the wicked who are oppressing the poor and the helpless who are being oppressed. Man renounces God and turns to his own ways, seeking his own gain and his own pride. And because of the sinfulness of man, they are under God's just judgment and the punishment for that sinfulness is death. But Jesus is the one who took the punishment that the sinful and wicked people deserved. And this punishment that we all deserve because all have sinned, and because Christ died for us, but Christ died for us that while we were still sinners. And so there's two responses to this. We can say no. I don't want to do that and continue in our sinful ways and take the judgment that will come upon us. Or we can admit that we are sinners, placing our faith in Christ's death on our behalf. And when we do this, we accept that we deserve God's judgment on our sin, um, but we are also acknowledging that Christ died for us, and we are so thankful and grateful for that. If you've never heard this message of the good news of the gospel, I'd love to talk with you more about it after the service. I'll be up here. Some other elders um, will be up here as well. The gospel is God's justice in action. He does not let sin go unpunished, but he also shows love for those who have sinned by providing a Savior in Jesus Christ. God justifies us, and he declares us not guilty of our sin if we have placed our faith in Jesus. God gives us what we don't deserve and he shows his patience with us. Second Peter chapter 3 talks about how the day of the Lord will come and all sin will be judged. We wait for this day when sin and evil will be no more. But we must remember that God does not want any to perish on that day. God is patient and wants all to come to repentance and faith. And so church, let us respond in the way that God does. The future judgment is reserved for the Lord, but there are present areas where God is giving justice and as people are, who have been justified by God, we, and as people who have been justified by God, we should be motivated by the justice of God in order to do justice here in the world. God carries out his actions of justice for the oppressed through his people who share his heart. So is your life characterized by this? One of righteousness and one of justice? Or maybe you just you tend to see what needs to be done, um, but you fail to act. You aren't sinning by actively committing injustice in the way that the wicked in Psalm 10 are, but you might be guilty of sinning by omission. You see what ought to be done, but you fail to do it. So if this is the case, then I want to highlight a few ways um, that you can be involved in justice today. And the first way is by telling people about the coming judgment of sin and how they can be saved. This happens through evangelism. It happens through missions. 
God calls us to love the lost with compassion and to share the gospel with them. God does not want anyone to perish on the last day, and we as his people should not want any to perish either. We must pray for God to change their hearts, asking that they would repent and turn to the Lord. Pray for the Lord to give us opportunities to share the gospel and to call people to respond. Another way that we can show justice for the oppressed is by partnering with our missions partners in the work that they are doing. A group of 12 people working um, together can do a lot more than 12 people working as individuals. I saw this when we were at Student Life Camp with the 7th and 8th graders a couple of weeks ago. Our, our group of 7th and 8th graders, we always went around as we played these games at camp with another church, and they were mostly high school students. And so as we came to the Water Day game of tug-of-war, I didn't have a lot of hope. You know, just a little thing my soccer coach used to call bigger boy advantage, okay? High school student versus middle school student, tug-of-war, who's going to win? But let me tell you, people, we absolutely whooped them in tug-of-war. I mean, it was, it was like the quickest bout of tug-of-war I've ever, I mean, three seconds, pulled them right across the line. It was awesome. Um, but the reason for this is we pulled as one big group to get the job done. And so when we partner together in missions, we can do more. And so Sharon gave us several ways for us to partner with the ministry and, that's, and the work that's being done by Bridges for Justice. Supporting the work financially by sponsoring um, a woman who is in training <coughs> or by buying a bag and by praying for the woman who made that bag. We must also be willing to get out of our comfort zones and cross over um, different dividing lines to build friendships with families and youth who are at risk for human trafficking. Human trafficking is not something that just happens in India. It's alive and well here in Wichita. So pray for the protection of vulnerable children and ask God to show you ways that you can come alongside families and children in need. God's justice for the oppressed also happens um, through our governing authorities that God has put in place. In our culture today here in Wichita, we have the ability to be active and involved in the government's ability to have and make laws that exhibit God's priorities and justice. This is what Josh was calling us to do last week, to be involved in this process by being informed and active in it. Specific application to this would be being informed about the amendment to the Kansas Constitution and and voting on August 2nd as it relates to abortion in our state. We should do this. We should also work to be involved and to advocate um, for the people who are considering abortions and caring for them. Much of this advocation happens on this local political level, working to have a city and a county that builds up the poor, Being involved in these things will mean that we have to get out of our comfort zones, though. One of the main needs that Choices Medical Clinic has right now is mentors for these moms and dads who come to the clinic. Being willing to come alongside them, to care for them, and to share the gospel and biblical truth with them. These can be difficult relationships to navigate, but all discipleship relationships are difficult to navigate. 
But sometimes the things that are difficult to do are actually the things that are the most worth doing. The final missions partner I want to highlight is the Union Rescue Mission. Many of you serve there already, and we will have a chance to hear more about the ministry of the Union Rescue Mission um, next Sunday uh, when Doug Nolte comes and shares the trip around the world. But they need our help to help these men know Christ. Some ways that you can do this are through serving in in the solid ground, life-changing program. It's a long-term recovery program that focuses on um, rebuilding, restoring, and redirecting a man's life so he can transition back into the workforce and back into independent living. You can also help with the Steps Toward Economic and Personal Stability Program, also known as STEPS. You can lead a Bible study in this, teaching God's truth. You could teach life skill classes to the men working through it. One of the most practical ways and things that you can do is to be a friend to some of the men at the Union Rescue Mission. Church, never underestimate the power of a good friend who is willing to be there for you in difficulty, who's willing to give sound biblical advice and pointing you to Christ. I know that I would not be here today if I did not have people in my life who are good friends to me. And many men at the mission need this. And so the need for God's justice in our world is ever-present because sin is ever-present, but it will not always be so. Jesus came into the world with the purpose of putting an end to sin and putting an end to evil, and he accomplished that purpose 100%. So when you are tempted to doubt if God sees or if he is there, remember the object lesson that your parents taught you a long time ago when you were a kid through the game of peekaboo. Object permanence. God is there with us in these things. He sees and he acts. And he will use his people to bring justice for the afflicted. Will you please pray with me? Father, help us as your people to believe in you. To trust that you see and that you are with us even in these difficult times of trouble and frustration and confusion. God, thank you for the way that you have acted through sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins um, to give us salvation, and to put an end to evil and wickedness on the earth. God, help us as your people to be active in bringing justice for the afflicted. Help us to be involved in that here in our city in the coming weeks and months and years. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.